Healing happens, true healing happens, when Jesus is near and it results in a following of Jesus, a turning to Jesus and trusting in faith that God genuinely can provide healing in our lives. And so today, we're in this third truth that we get from our summer stories, and that is the truth is, we gotta look for where God's at work and meet him there. We look for where God's at work and join God there. You know, a lot of times, we can look at what's happening in our lives, and maybe we can look at what's happening in other people's lives, and we can see and go, you know what, Lord, I don't know that there's enough in me for you to really do something miraculous on this earth. I don't know that there's enough talent. I don't know if there's enough means. I don't know if there's enough whatever it is. I don't know. And then we sometimes even can look at our friends, you know, because be like Andrew, and we see, see a friend, we see what our friend has to offer, and we think, God, you know, that's a lot. It's awesome. It's more than anybody else has here, but... I don't know that it's enough for you to really do something for all of the world to be impacted. I don't know. And so tonight, we're going to look at John 6. And so while you're turning there, go ahead and get to John 6. I'm going to tell you a little bit of the backstory because maybe you remember one of the stories of healing last week. It's the story of the man at, that was healed at the pool of Bethesda. And this is the story that didn't end up real good. He got healed, and then he really kind of decided that he really didn't want full healing. I don't know why Jesus healed him. It wasn't a faith healing or anything like that, but it, Jesus healed him nevertheless. And so this man then ended up walking his healed legs into the authority's office to turn Jesus in. Well, following that, Jesus then got to stand before all of the leaders of the Jewish community in which they were asking him who he is. They were asking him on what authority does he do, what he does. And so Jesus then went on to tell them, hey, look, I'm the son of God, which stirred them up at a whole new level. So they went to the next level. And then Jesus then went on to talk about this way of life that God would have for people to live on this earth, which is very different than the way this Jewish leadership was living life. And so it was a big old hubbub, and it, the tension was really, really tense, to, stay the, to say the least. And that's where we pick up the story. We got this healing, we got Jesus, we got the betrayal, then we got Jesus before the authorities, and Jesus telling who he is, and there's this tense moment, and now we have where we are in this story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's an interesting timeline here, John chapter 6, 1 through 15. We don't know how long it was, but sometime after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd. They kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill, sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, and Jesus saw this huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up. He said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? And then Jesus does what Jesus does. Tell them all to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men numbered about 5,000. So approximately 20,000 people were on this hillside. Not a small number of people, okay? 5,000 men plus women and children, approximately 20,000 people. 
Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and then distributed them to the people. After, he did the same thing with the fish. And here it is. They all ate as much as they wanted. In that moment, everyone ate as much as they wanted, not just enough to give them a little taste, not just enough to where their need was met. Gave them all that they wanted. That's an important piece of this puzzle here. It's an important piece of the story. And after everyone was full, okay, everyone is full of this sustenance that Jesus has provided for them in this moment. And after that happened, he then tells his disciples, now go gather the leftovers. Now, isn't that an interesting thing? Can you imagine the disciples sitting there going, dude, we had five barley loaves and two fish. We just distributed food to 20,000 people. You think there's going to be leftovers? These people are hungry. They ate everything. He goes, no, 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 go get the leftovers. Because what you thought wasn't enough, I'm about to show you something. I'm about to show you something. And so here it is. Go and gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. What we think is not enough, Jesus can make more than enough. God's economy is not like our economy. The way God functions is different than the way we function. Verse 14, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. And in that moment, Jesus said, yes, I am. Bring me all the glory that you can, right? Nope. Jesus saw they were ready to force him to be their king. Rather than be power hungry like many people in this scenario, Jesus slipped away into the hills by himself. This moment where Jesus sort of said, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Who's the man? Who's the man? I'm the man. Jesus the man. I'm the man. That's what Jesus could have done. His mom just says, no, 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 no. Not my glory. Your glory, God. What God, when God says there's enough, there's enough. When God says I supply all your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus, he means I supply your needs according my riches. And a lot of times he does our wants in addition. That's crazy how this works. Here's the thing we have to remember. This miracle, this miracle of miracles. I mean, can you imagine the number of miracles that were happening in that moment in this group of people's lives? It's huge. And this miracle of feeding these multitudes of people, this is an example for all of us to look at. And we can see how one act of God affects many people. One act of God in our lives one act of we look at our situation, we think we are not enough. I don't have enough to offer you, God. I don't have enough to offer this planet. I don't have enough to offer my family. I don't have enough to offer and fill in the blank. God says, you think you're not enough, but I will make you more than enough. That's what God does in our lives. When all else seems lost, God comes through in a way in which we just can't imagine. In this case, we see the disciples and this young boy who had an up-close view of Jesus' work. They got the front row seat. Not everybody got the front row seat. They got the front row seat. Philip did in his disbelief. Andrew did in his, I see this amount, but I still have disbelief. And then the boy who's like, dude, that's my food. What the heck, man? You know, gosh. And then you've got all these people. 
You got all the people, all of the scenarios. Can you imagine all the scenarios in attendance? How many people were really, really, really hungry at that, point, at that point in time? Probably a lot of people. How many people that were there were used to extravagance? Probably a lot of people that were there. Those applications of what God did in that moment affected very differently. Not to mention there were broken families, there were united families, there were generational families, there were all kinds of different people probably in this crowd of people. So all of the different scenarios Jesus' miracle impacted them in very different ways. And Jesus provided abundantly for everybody. Jesus cared for them in a way that was only possible through Jesus. And so here's what it all comes down to. Andrew's eyes were open. You know, we've asked the question up to this point where what are we not seeing? Where are we spiritually blind? What are we not seeing, God? And Andrew's eyes were open to how God wanted to use what everybody, including Andrew, saw was not enough. His eyes were open to it. He got a front row seat to God turning it into more than enough. This is what God does. In miracles that we observe that Jesus performs, we have to ask this question of ourselves. Are we aware of the ripple effects? Are you aware of the ripple effects of the fact that you've said yes to Jesus and the impact that it's made on countless lives? Or perhaps maybe you look at yourself and go, man, why in the world would anybody want to follow Jesus looking at my life? I'm not sure what your story is, but please understand the fact that you say yes to Jesus is a miracle, first of all. And then from there, what God wants to do with you're not enough, God will make more than enough. He will supply the needs to people in which you're wondering, man, I wish, he, I, wish, I wish my needs were supplied. Not only will yours be, others will be as well. Are we aware of the ripple effects? Because here's the truth. When one person says yes to Jesus, unknown numbers of others are affected. Now here's where this comes down to ground zero for us. Luke and Mary Hawthorne started their business, Emerald Lawns. You guys know the business. They started their business in a deep recession. A deep recession. And from the moment they chose to devote their business to the Lord, I remember this moment. I remember this moment like it was yesterday. When they devoted their business to the Lord. Now, from the day one, they devoted their business to the Lord. But there came a point where there was a flip that got switched in them. In which it turned from, this is God's business to, this is God's. To change lives through. I remember this moment. It's absolutely wonderful. The ripple effects since that moment have been far-reaching over the past 10 years. Absolutely amazing. And they've had an up-close view of Jesus' work, continuing generosity while others were counseling them to do otherwise. Hiring and giving people a chance that other companies wouldn't. Seeing in their employees what they couldn't see in themselves. And consequently, lives have been changed Salvation has come to, to homes, and there have been needs met that otherwise would have gone unmet. Each in the company have benefited greatly from the miracle, and unknown numbers of employees, clients, and other lives have been affected. Now, we see that story, and we have to now say, okay, who's our Andrew in this story? Well, one of our Andrews in this story is Aaron Carter. Aaron is, you know, air quote, VP of complaints for the company, right? All right, he's not really. But, but his job, he gets, to, he gets to deal with people who, for one reason or another, are just not happy, all right? And so he gets to 
He gets to, to see the front row seat of people changing before his very eyes as he works with them, as few companies will do. Going over and above in ways that they don't have to. Years ago, Aaron saw the Lord in this work, left his job, and met God there. And he's had a front row seat to lives being changed, and consequently, he himself, among others, have become a ripple effect recipient of the miracle. And there's many other people, many other people who've been a recipient of that ripple effect. And you guys, this is where, in an unlikely time, God took a sacrifice and is able to multiply it into more than enough, into changing lives in ways that it otherwise is not possible. You can always say, well, Luke and Mary, they're good at business. You know, they know how to run a business. You know, all that. Yes, but when you give what you have to the Lord, God does more than we will ever do on our own. And so tonight, we look at this, and we see the, we see the, the um, Andrew story, and we see the little boy story, and we see the Luke and Mary story, and we see the Aaron story, and we see, and I could name multiple, multiple names that have been a part of legacy at one time or another, still are a part of legacy today, whatever the case may be, that have looked for where God is at work and met God there. And so we look at ourselves and we see, look for where God is at work and join God there. Because the truth is, that's what changes your life. It will change your life. God will likely, though, here's the truth is, when you, when you say yes and when you look for where God's at work and join him, God will likely take you into uncomfortable circumstances. So if you're looking for happily ever after, that doesn't happen but what does happen is we get to go through uncomfortable circumstances and we don't regret it. Because on the other side, we get to see what God did to bring us through to the other side as we navigate things differently than the world says that we should. We get to experience on the front row what God does in ways that we could never do on our own because his strength, it's perfect when our strength doesn't measure up. When we're gone, we're just, ugh, we're at our wit's end. God's strength becomes perfect in that moment. And God sees us through whatever those circumstances are. And so the question tonight that we start with in this moment, all right? Some of you, this is going to be very obvious. Some of you in this room, you're going to be like, Man, I'm not really sure. Here's the first question. Where are the unlikely places you see God at work? Where are the, the places where it's just not much? Where are the unlikely places that you see God at work? And the next question is, how can you meet God there? How, how can you meet God in those unlikely places? And so what I'd like to do is, I'd like for us just to take a moment. A lot of times, we, we kind of power through our um, response time and all that kind of thing. I'd like for us just to take a moment together this evening, and let's just kind of work through this for just a moment, all right? What I'd like to encourage you to do is just close your eyes for just a second. Everybody just kind of close your eyes, and we're going to spend some time with the Lord together. Now, just to kind of get our brains going for just a moment, there are some of you in this room that, that are Andrews, and you don't even know it right now. 
Students, you guys just got back from camp. And there are many of you, actually, many, many of you that would never have attended camp this last week if it weren't for your parents inviting God to change their family tree. You are a direct recipient of the ripple effect. And you've gotten a front row seat to see your family change. And you see it at family reunions. You see how your family's different. You see how they operate differently than other family members that are not following Jesus. You see how this works. And so you are here as an Andrew, and you may not even realize it. That's just one example. And so here's the question for all of us in this room. Where is God at work in your home? Parents, do you look at what you have to offer and you wonder if you're meeting the needs of your family? And you think, man, I'm just not enough. I'm not parenting properly. I'm not providing well enough. I'm not disciplining well enough. I'm letting too much go. I'm parenting by technology. I'm doing whatever it is. And you just look at it and you think, man, I just don't think I'm enough. Please understand that where you are weak, God is strong. Will you offer that to the Lord? Children in the room, students, kids, you look at it and you think, you know what, I disobey a lot and I argue a lot and you know, I don't, I don't know that I'm honoring my parents the way that God would have me to honor parents. I don't know that I'm a good enough kid. Trust me, when you offer who you are to the Lord, what you see as not enough, God will make more than enough. Where's God at work in your family? How can you meet God? Our next question is, where is God at work through our church? And you know I say the word our church. It's God's church, but you get what I'm saying. This expression of the body of Christ. Where's God at work? Where do we look in our church and we go, it's just not good enough yet. It's just not good enough yet. how God wants to use what you have to offer as more than enough. You get to be the front row seat to lives changing because of the miracle. Is it an international work? Is it shaking a hand and helping people find connection? Is it meeting people where they're at and helping two different families find common ground with one another? Is it kids' ministry, student ministry, preschool, finance, stewardship, missions, local, global? What is it? You look at what you have to offer and you think, I'm not a good enough musician, but God wants to turn that into something more. 
I'm not good enough with technology, but God wants to take what you have to offer and turn it into more. Where is God at work? And so you can meet God there. A couple more questions. Where is God at work at your work? Are you that work? And you think, who am I to represent the Lord and risk relationships at the job, risk everything, your job itself? You're not enough. But God says you're more because God will make you more than enough. You just give God all of you. Where's God at work? And you just meet him there with that person or that, that project or that initiative. Where's God at work? And then finally, you may not have even thought about this before, but where is God at work in Hutto, Pflugerville, Round Rock, Georgetown, Taylor? Where is God at work? that you are drawn to, but you just never thought you had something to offer that was good enough. Where's God at work? And how can you meet God there? I've gone through a lot of scenarios tonight, and so just as I've gone through, my guess is there's been some that have maybe piqued your curiosity a little bit more than others. And you've had some thoughts go through your mind. Can I encourage you this week to just offer those to the Lord and just ask God if he wants to use your not enough to make more than enough on this earth, at home, at work, through the church, in our community where we live. What are you drawn to more than anything else? And meet God there. Father, we love you, and we praise your name for this story that we can look at and we can go, good gosh, Lord, you really want to feed 20,000 with just me? Lord, you really want to change all of these lives that I don't even know are going to change because of what I have to offer? And the answer to that is, y'all, yes. Lord, thank you for the fact that you see us far more than we see ourselves. And Lord, whether we find ourselves in a space right now where life is full and it is healthy and we are feeling really good about it or whether we feel like right now, Lord, we're dry bones. Lord, you, you can turn our not enough into more than enough. And so Father, will you help us to see and will you open our eyes to what we can't see and Lord, will you bring healing? Will you bring the story? Will you bring the, the lives? Will you bring the bread? And will you bring the fish? And will you, will you feed? And will you do what you do? And, and Lord, will you let us be a part of the story? Lord, I pray that you help us. Little old Legacy Church. 
And Lord, in a lot of ways, we never should have survived through the years. But here we are. Lord, will you turn our not enough into more than enough across this whole globe? What we have to offer you, Lord, will you use to change lives? Thank you, Lord, for giving us the front row seat to what you've let us see so far. Lord, we look forward to the best that is yet still to come. Lord, we love you, and we praise your name, and we pray this through the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, um, I know there's still some of you in, in the room that you're kind of working through. You know, what is that story? Where are we? What is my life, and how does this play out? And, you know, there's a song that became really popular during covid um, and, uh, and I say COVID, COVID's still going on, obviously. Um, but during the height of COVID, it became, it became possible. And the theme is where there is no way God makes that way because he's the way maker. And so while you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't, I don't know how God wants to use me in my story, just understand he's the way maker. And whatever you have that you think, it's just not enough. Not enough talent, not enough time, not enough treasure, not enough whatever. I don't have enough. God will make more than enough. And so as we continue this response time, we continue the self-reflection and everything, would you just stand to your feet and would you respond just as we sing these words, would you just lift your voices to the Lord and you just declare, Lord, you are indeed the way maker. Where I don't see it, Lord, you make the way. And so let's stand to our feet and let's keep responding together.